0: From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Hey, just a quick note. Since this podcast was recorded, Panviva has been acquired by Upland Software. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond. And today we have Steve Pappas from Panviva. Steve, it's really nice to have you on.
1: Thanks, Brad. I've really been looking forward to this. I think I've wanted to have this conversation with you for a while, so I'm glad we finally got the time to do it.
0: Yeah, totally. Me too. So tell me a bit about yourself and a bit about your company.
1: Sure. Where do I begin for myself? I've been pretty much a, I call myself a lifelong learner. So I'm a polymath in all areas. And that has taken me in a lot of business roads. I've had six of my own startups. And the last one was a charter airline. And you probably say, who starts a charter airline? (laughs) And uh, well, I noticed some opportunities in the marketplace and I went for it and uh, did pretty well in all the startups. And since then, I've pretty much either been involved in expanding uh, U.S. software globally. Generally, I go to about 54 countries, setting up distribution, setting up offices, things of that nature and resellers around the world, or I've taken foreign software and brought it to the U.S., So the opposite of that, too. And I've uh, done that for much of my career. And uh, as I am doing here at Panviva is an Australian-based company based in Melbourne, Australia. And I was recruited on the initial team to bring the software to the US, to Canada, and to expand it uh, to other parts of the world. And that was 13 years ago. Don't know where the time goes by. But Panviva is an interesting company because it's a very unique knowledge management uh, tool. And even when they tried recruiting me, I said no a couple of times because I said, knowledge management? How are you going to improve upon knowledge management? And they said, no, oh, no, you got to look at it. You got to look at it. So finally, I got a demo and this was just a thir- little over 13 years ago. And I said, ah, you guys are a unique knowledge management tool that operates differently than everything else. You're much more about making employees Extremely productive, getting to that five star employee level for everyone, no matter who they are, no matter when they came in the door, allowing them to have all the tools they need to perform any task in seconds. And that's what really got me hooked. And we've done a great job. We've uh, really built a great business here in the States and now expanding to other parts of the world too.
0: Nice. That's amazing. That's so cool. And Australia based, hopefully. You know, yep. COVID's over, you get to go out there and all that. That sounds like a lot of fun. It'll be nice. But it's a long, it's a long trip. Oh yeah. So tell me a bit about what marketing looks like for you guys. Obviously, being in the space, tell me about who you go after from a customer acquisition standpoint and and what marketing really looks like for you.
1: And that's a it's a real good question because we've been historically a very focused company. Because our technology really supports complex companies, complex industries. So we tend to go after healthcare. We tend to go after financial services, roadside assistance. It's really wherever there's, there's a couple of things, maybe even three things, where there's a level of complexity in the work that has to be done. Where there's probably compliance going on, that there are fees or credits or fines if you don't do it. And the work is always changing. So, if there's those three C's, right, the complexity, the compliance, and the change, that tends to be our sweet spot. So, marketing to those industries has historically been a difficult process anyway, uh, because they're so complex and because there's a lot of governmental oversight in many of them too. So we found that we had to become very focused. So we had to know exactly, we had to identify our exact persona within those organizations before we could even do a sales journey map to understand what kind of a journey we had to take our prospects on. We had to really identify the persona. And the persona tends to be generally for us, someone in the chief operating officer's office. So we start at the COO and we work our way down into finding where the projects are. So many times we will start off in a contact center, which usually Mm. comes under the COO, under the head of service, because what we've found historically is that the contact center is the hub of almost all organizations. They need to know a little bit about every part of the business. They have their finger on the pulse of what's going on and From there, because they're a hub and spoke to most companies, other departments look at it and say, gee, you know, how come you guys got so much more productive? And and there becomes this viral expansion for us. Many times we used to, before that, we used to target back office, but in back office, that's where the technology tends to stay. It doesn't expand outward. So once we realized that the persona we're looking for is one on the service arm of the business and the operations side of the business, we're able then to really fine tune our messaging as well as how do we get to those people. Now, a lot of companies say, gee, we just cast a wide net. We do the opposite. We cast a very narrow net. We know who that COO is or that Senior VP of Operations or that VP of Operations or Head of Contact Center. We know who they are in all of the companies that we're going to go after. The question is, how do you get a few minutes of their time? That's what it boils down to for us. So Even if you think about the events that we used to attend pre-COVID, they were all very focused, very niche-oriented that would be attended by Heads of Operations that are looking for tools, tips, tricks, and technologies that would help them expand how they're doing business better. And that's why we stayed very focused. And I'm sure we'll talk about what happened during COVID and after at some point too.
0: Totally. Yeah, tell me me a bit about what this year has looked like for you guys. Obviously, I love the fact that you don't hear that super often. Like we cast a very narrow net, and I, I love that strategy of knowing exactly who your customer is and going after them. And how, how has COVID played a factor in this? What does this past year look like for you guys? And what have what have you found to be effective? to get a few minutes of their time.
1: Yeah, it, it's it was an interesting time frame for us because obviously March of last year, nobody. It was all it was all the unknown factor that all of a sudden. 14 events that we had planned and paid for were all canceled, that nobody was traveling, everybody was fearful, nobody knew what to do. And quite frankly, you start to look at each other and say, what do we do? Because there has been no book written on pandemic marketing. What do you do when a pandemic hits? And all of the traditional and classical ways that you have been marketing to these people are all gone. So what we found was that because everybody started going work from home, we started getting involved in a lot of, let's call them virtual get-togethers that producers of events were putting on. Now, they at the beginning, they really didn't know what to do, but people needed an outlet. They needed to get together because we are social animals we have to be social. So what we did was we attended a lot of these digital conversion events. Sometimes we were just sitting there talking to other vendors. But because we were talking about what was going on and how are we going to deal with it, we started really getting to the point where we understood that all of the targets, our personas are all going, in, going through the same thing. Mm. So we had we had to really figure out, well, okay, if they're going to the same thing and they're still trying to get their job done, but they're not in the same place, they're not at the same phone number, we had to really amp up our email marketing quite a bit. We had to provide more incentives. So we said, gee, since we don't have any events, it looks like the get-togethers are okay, but they're not producing leads. And they're certainly not producing Uh, warmer or mid-funnel leads, we had to do something. So we made a conscious pivot to create an entire series of events ourselves. Hmm. So we we created uh, a monthly, and quite frankly, I don't do anything small. So we created on a monthly basis, we created uh, a huddle, which was industry pros talking to other industry pros. So we would look at different industries like health insurance, hospitals, credit unions, roadside assistance, banks, wealth management. We looked at all these types of industries that we're in and we said to our customers that are heavies in the industry, we said, hey, would you like to talk to others in the industry? Let's just have huddles together where we get together and we just talk about what's going on so that we can help each other out of it. And that's what we started. We started a very aggressive the huddle the huddles that we put on were monthly. Mm. The then from there we said, okay, that's fine for marketing to net new leads, new logos, but you can't forget all the marketing that goes on to your existing customers, all your expansion. Technology companies, they're really geared around a land and expand. You land in a particular department and you need to expand to others. But The others need to know about you. So what I then set out to create was I created a showcase program for our existing customers. And that was really about if I know that I'm in the contact center, our technology is being used in the contact center. I would say we know in all other customers that contact center might move to finance, might move to marketing, might move to sales, might move to billing, might move to any other back office function. What we did was we created showcases for all those other departments. And those Mm -hmm. showcases would be made up of of multiple things. One, it would be, here's how that department could just do an easy add-on to what you've already got. You already own the product. We already have signed MSAs. You can just bring that group in to listen to the showcase. And it really worked well. We started getting those other departments to say, gee, I had been thinking about this, but I was so afraid that building all my content was just going to take so long. So the other thing we did was for every showcase, the incentive we gave them was we will give you all the templates. We will create all the base templates and all of the documentation and all of the things that you're probably going to need. And all you have to do is customize it to your particular company. That is what we gave them after the showcase. So attending the showcase, they already had our product. They could just put in these new templates, make some tweaks, and that new finance department could be up and running in a couple of weeks, or that new HR department, or you pick whichever one. So we created all the templates to get them started. And what we found as a company, and the one thing I noticed from a trend is that we were an extremely customer-centric company. We build great relationships with every one of our customers. But the reality was, is that we had to go further than just building great relationships and great customer experiences. We had to do things that made it easy for the employees to build something, to work on it. And we also had to give them the starting blocks so they didn't have to stop and think, oh, we got to schedule this big project It's not a big project with us. We've gotten, and we'll talk about it during the COVID, we've gotten estates up and running in eight days. So it's not a big process, but unfortunately, some people look at it like, I've got so much on my plate, I'm working from home, how do I start doing something else? So we had to make it easier for them to just say, yes, let's upload it, make some tweaks to it, and we're off and running. And those were the types of things that we had to do was really get in touch with our, our customers to understand their needs much better. And through through what they were dealing with in COVID, also anticipate how hard their work had
0: become. Ah, and yeah. That's what we did. I love that. I, I think... Uh... It's so important to, like, be in touch with our customers, market to existing customers, all these things that, you know, instead of, hey, let's go focus on acquiring a bunch of new customers, really have all these programs for up and running and all that. I love that. So if we shift a little bit and, and talk about this concept of building a lifelong customer, one of the things that, that you, as we were previously talking, told me that's really important Is building a great team. What are some things that you've done in that respect? It sounds like you've done a lot uh, to really build out the marketing team and, and get it kind of firing on all cylinders.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I've built a lot of teams in my career. And what I found is when I handpick the team members, I also have to hand train them. And I don't want to say that everything comes from my personality, but the reality is that I'm very careful about chemistry. To me, chemistry in each department, as well as in the entire organization, and I can only speak for here in the U.S. right now, is extremely important. I want to make sure that everybody we bring in would be willing to run into the burning building to save everybody else. That we build such a tight organization that everybody likes each other. Everybody works off of each other's strengths and weaknesses. And at the end of the day, we count on each other. So building the team the right way, making sure sometimes you just, you have to hold off on hiring until you find the right makeup of person that is extremely customer-centric, that pains for your customer, that thinks of your customer before they think of themselves, right? So they're willing to make those sacrifices necessary. And don't worry, I reward all of that too, because I keep an eye on the fact that sometimes people go so far over and above the call of duty in the course of a week or a month or a quarter that... They need to blow off, whether it's give them some extra time off, or it's let's do some team building things too. So we make sure that we also reward that level of employee engagement. And keeping employees engaged is, is probably another facet that we should touch on. And it's one that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Matter of fact, I've got cabinets filled with trivia games with all types of things that we were doing almost four days a week with our employees during huh. COVID. Because what we understood was that all of a sudden people that used to have these conversations at the coffee machine, the water machine, or just pulled someone into the cube or into the office or at the lunch, you know, room now didn't have any of those survival methods anymore. So Everything went from, gee, I could get something done in three minutes by walking into an office. Now it's a 30-minute scheduled Zoom meeting. So what happens is people's days went from having some holds in them, which you want to have, because you've got to manage your day so that you can get the work done, not just be meeting to meeting. Because going meeting to meeting is not productive, but you also need brainstorming time. You need that social How do we work off of each other's strengths and weaknesses to come up with something better? How do we make two plus two equal five? And those are the types of employee engagement things that you need to be always thinking about. So we've done a lot of things. Matter of fact, we have some great actors and actresses in our company too. I pulled out some of the old Flash Gordon radio programs from the thirties, gave everybody a part in a script Everybody practiced them. Then we came together. We recorded them on Zoom. And then I went and I uh, edited the entire video together. Nice. And I'll tell you what a ball people had. And they just, some of them took it so serious too. They were really thinking, wow, this is just like I did Romeo and Juliet in, in high school. <laughs> but it was more about the engagement. And we learned more about each other because think about it we're looking each, into each other's homes on every meeting. We're noticing, oh, people notice, oh, Steve, you got a new guitar over there? Yeah, let's talk about that. It's those types of things. But unfortunately, just meeting with the two-dimensional images on a screen is not enough. So we found ourselves putting together social distancing activities. We got together in parks and we were all eight or 10 feet away from each other, but we ordered food and Everybody got their food and yeah, we shouted at each other from a little distance out in the park. Even with our winter coats on, we still got together. And nice. those types of things are really important in building the team that is going to treat your customers like they're the center of the universe.
0: I love that. That's amazing. Steve, it's been amazing to have you on. What key takeaway or advice would you give to those listening while we wrap up here. it's It's been a
1: challenging year for everyone. We ended up doing very well through COVID because we ended up supplying a lot of the state contact tracing and vaccination teams with our technology. So we ended up doing well through it. But It wasn't without its level of exhaustion. If you watch people on Zoom and you can assume that they've they've got stuff going on in their lives, that, that they've got challenges too. And the one thing I found really helped on the employee side was not during the Zoom, but after the Zoom, I would reach out to them and say, gee, how are you doing? you know, how are things going with the family? And and I know the kids are at home and you're dealing with so much. And I know you've got an older parents or whatever, you know, how are you doing? And you'd be surprised that just nobody asks. And when somebody takes the time to ask, even if they're not a report to me to ask if they're doing okay, it just means the world to them and noticing Noticing the little indications is really important. Now, on the business side, the last things for me is that I find that the simpler the solution, the better. During tough times, you, we go back to how would we like to be. That mm-hmm. goes, goes well for employees. It goes well for customers. Many companies out there are using teams to get together, but I challenge them. Have they built a team for their key customers? Nothing was better than when my customers, because we built Teams, Microsoft Teams for our top customers, that during all of this, we were able to chat with our customers. Gee, Allison, how, how have you been doing today? You know, something simple like that. And you get that they're typing back to you. You, you feel like you're connected and staying connected to your customers during the tougher times and then staying connected to them even closer when the times you know come back, the better times, is extremely important, but keeping it simple. Think about different ways that they want to be contacted and make it, and I think from a marketing perspective, pivoting and finding solutions that solve the problem. What is the problem? And you have to really reduce it down to its lowest common denominator. What is the problem? I don't have top of funnel leads. Is the problem I don't have mid funnel leads. Is the problem that it's harder to get sales cycles from 20% to 50 to 70% to move them along the sales cycle. Then attack that problem and brainstorm it with your team. Make sure that the team is part of the solution. And that will be a winning uh, combination.
0: Love it. Hey, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom and insights.
1: My pleasure, Brad. This has been great. I'm glad we got together. Totally.